a lot of the times we think we need to be rich first, whatever idea that is of financial richness is for you. For me at that time, being dead broke, it meant becoming six figures, right? For me, that was already rich. And so for you to think about being rich first and then eventually you'll become financially free, it's actually reverse. You need to be working on being financially free first and then financial richness will naturally follow. Welcome back to the Mindset Mastery Podcast. Today, we're talking about financial freedom and a really important component to achieving that, which is all about our own beliefs around money. My guest today is online business management coach, Paige Ray. Paige is on a mission to end the cycle of unnecessary baggage related to money. She is helping to shift the culture of living in a lack mindset, one family at a time by empowering people to live generously and abundantly and free of the fear and stress related to money. In this episode, we're talking about why you don't need to be rich to be financially free, how to deal with guilt and bad feelings around receiving money and the idea of joyous money versus toxic money and how to identify which one of those you have the most of in your life. Welcome, Paige. I'm so excited to have you on the show today. How are you? Hi, Rachel. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here and to once again talk about a topic that for a lot of people, they find it very uncomfortable. I know it was uncomfortable for me when I was just getting started. And so hopefully we can provide a space where people feel at ease talking about something that often brings discomfort. Yeah. And I think it's so common. The topic of money comes up and it is really uncomfortable to talk about. Mm -hmm. But I think that is one of the biggest issues with these negative feelings that we have around money. So I'm going to dive into that today. But first of all, I just want to hear a little bit about your story and, you know, where your kind of beliefs around money were when you were younger, moving into your adult life, and then what really led you on this path that you are now helping people with all those beliefs around money. Yeah, absolutely. So I am a Canadian Filipino. I immigrated to Canada when I was 16. So that being said, I already have this mindset with how I was raised and how I was brought up in the Philippines and seeing really the stark difference in lifestyle and how people perceive and act towards money in the culture where I grew up and also versus in Canada. So particularly, especially in the immigrant community. I find that for me specifically, I grew up in what I call a struggling middle class. Correct me if I'm wrong, but perhaps a lot of middle class are struggling. Uh, But you know, that's where I came from. We were a struggling middle class. We were not exactly poor compared to a lot of the other people in poor standard in the Philippines. But I definitely saw my parents struggling and fighting about money all the time. And so it was very weird because if you go to a third world or developing country like the Philippines, for example, the difference between low income earners and high income earners are very obvious. So let me give you just a brief example. So for example, in Canada, it doesn't matter whether you're a low income earner or you're a six figure earner. If you want to buy McDonald's, you can afford McDonald's. Right. But in the Philippines, if you're a low income earner, you cannot afford McDonald's or whatever equivalent fast food that is in the Philippines. That's how different it was being in the Philippines and really seeing the the gap between those who are in poverty and those who are a little bit more well off. And coming from a struggling middle class family, I attended private school, which is for my culture. It's definitely just reserved for the privileged ones. But 
I remember we were always late in paying tuition fee. My mom was always struggling to pay on time. And in fact, I remember graduating in grade six, entering high school, and I climbed the stage. And I remember the teacher handed me a folder, which was supposed to have the diploma for graduation. But because we didn't pay the tuition fee, it was actually empty. And I was, I remember just being so embarrassed and all my friends were saying, oh, let me see your diploma and stuff like that. But I was like, nah, you don't need to see this. It's exactly the same as yours, except it has my name. Mm. So that was where I came from. And then there's another flip side to that. So my family, we often go to church and the congregation where we went to, it was uh more common for a lot of the lower class people, meaning those who are more on the lower tier of the financial spectrum, to be attending that congregation. And so it was really weird because a lot of my friends at church would come to our home, which by the way, I was so embarrassed about. I would never bring my school friends, my private school friends to my home because it was small and old. And yet my church friends, whenever we would, they would come visit my home, it, it was like, oh my gosh, you're rich. You yeah. go to private school, you have this home, you're rich. And so my financial identity was so different and confusing. I didn't really know where I stood. And I think a lot of that confusion was driven by fear and just observing how it brought a lot of arguments in our household, seeing my parents argue about it. And I didn't really think much about money or all of this. I thought everything was normal. It was just life, right? But I started recognizing all of these patterns when I stepped into the early years of my adulthood. So I moved out when I was 19 and I got married at the age of 21, which for a lot of millennials, it's pretty scary. You're probably crazy, <laughs> but I did it. And I remember having to, to be married at the age of 21 and adulting and basically just trying to figure things out. At that time, our parents weren't very supportive of our decision to get married that early. We felt like we really needed to prove ourselves. And I remember in our first year of marriage, me and my husband, we would argue and we were just feeling frustrated. We weren't getting paid good money in our jobs at that time. I was working at a warehouse. And it was that discomfort and frustration towards how much we're earning, how much debt we have, and how much we absolutely abhorred our jobs was being brought into the home. And I was starting to hear my parents say, I told you so. I told you don't get married this early because you're going to have financial troubles. And it was basically that time and so many other things happened, but it was around that time when I realized I need to fix this and figure out how I can be in a better off financial standing compared to what I know growing up, compared to what I see my parents have now. So that's when I started being consciously aware of the patterns and really like really diving deep into how I can learn more about personal finance and what are the things that successful people do with regards to their money? And that's basically how I started off in this trail of starting an online business. The whole purpose of that was to get out of debt and be financially free. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So where did that take you then? You're both in jobs that you don't like with not a lot of money and a lot of debt. So what was the first step you took in that kind of 
journey then to becoming financially free or like really deciding what you where you wanted to be in your life? So it was pretty careless, but my husband and I decided to quit our jobs. <laughs> it came to a point where I was hiding in the bathroom and just really frustrated about our life. And I said, you know what? I can't hide in the bathroom forever. I have to face my husband. And it's either we break up and have a fresh start of life as individuals, or we find a way to make it work. And there's nothing wrong with our relationship, me and my husband. It was not a toxic relationship. We were healthy and in love with each other. It was just all these external factors that was putting pressure on our relationship. And so we decided, this was back in 2014, we decided to quit our jobs and no jobs waiting for us, no savings. In fact, we got into more debt a couple of months after because there was nothing else to bring in that income. But we took the courage to just quit our jobs and say, you know what, we're going to figure this out. <laughs> That's the first step that we did. But also, I think a lot of people often hear that and they say, wow, oh my gosh, that's so scary, especially now during the pandemic, right? Be grateful that you have a job. And I totally understand that. And so I don't normally recommend people to quit their jobs unless, hey, if you have that level of boldness that you you would rather take the risk of getting into more debt, which I'm, I'm very open about that. After quitting my job, it wasn't like flying high right away. We got into more debt. But that's also around the time where I started learning about the power of just like this podcast, the power of your mind. I started researching, thank you to my dear friend Google, how to get out of debt. And I got into this rabbit hole of learning about for personal finance, but also disciplining your mind and developing a different type of mindset. So it's a bit of a journey. But from the time that I quit in 2014, all the way to 2018, which was when I launched my coaching business, a lot of things were happening between that four-year period. Oftentimes, I felt very frustrated. I honestly thought, I remember in 2017, I was thinking, holy moly, like I'm seeing a lot more people now diving into online business. And yet here I am, like, I still don't have anything when I've known about this since 2014, right? Like I, I would have like small income, like online-based income here and there through affiliate marketing and stuff like that, but no solid income that's happening regularly on a month monthly basis. But I realized that the things that I was going through between 2014 to 2018 was really crucial for my own personal development and personal growth so that I can be ready for launching my business in 2018. And between 2018, it took about two years. So in 2020, when we realized that, oh my gosh, we've hit financial freedom. And that was really the time when we started, you know, looking into investments. That's why right now I'm here in the Philippines. We've always talked about getting out of Canada, especially during winter. Oh my gosh, winter there, where we live, it takes about six months and it's intense winter. And Canada is a beautiful country. And yet I just feel like I'm very sensitive with my energy levels. It's very different when it's winter. And so we've, we've always talked about in investing somewhere where it's warm, somewhere where we can, you know, fly out to when it's winter in Canada and stuff like that, so that we can keep being creative and live an active lifestyle. And it wasn't until 2020 when basically I realized we can do it. Like looking at the numbers, we can do it. We can go just jump the board and lo and behold, around mid 2021, that's when we decided to just jump and fly the plane and be here. 
So I share that because I want people to recognize that it didn't happen overnight. Certainly for maybe for some people, which I personally don't know anyone like that, it may take a year or two, but this whole journey of financial freedom for me, like from 2014 to 2020, it took a lot of work and a lot of personal growth. And as long as you keep going at it and not quitting, it's going to happen. That's a really massive point to focus on as well is that it's easy to sit back and go, oh, this person came from debt and then they came and they've got financial freedom, but it's definitely not an overnight thing. And there's lots of work and there's lots of struggle and there's lots of work on yourself, I think is one of the, the key things there. I want to talk about the idea of the guilt and there's negative feelings around receiving money. If you don't work through the stuff and the guilt around receiving money, then, you know, your bank account is always going to end up being empty again. So I'd love to know like your take on that. And was this an issue for you at all? I think when I was just getting started as an entrepreneur, I remember charging my first coaching client and I always, you know, bring up my coach because I was working with a business coach at that time. I had a lot of courage to charge really high amounts of dollars coming from someone who was getting paid $13 and 25 cents per hour in 2014 and quitting my job, launching it in 2018 and charging. I remember the very first uh, time I charged someone for coaching was $650 for a coaching session for two coaching sessions. So essentially I gave myself a really big bump up because each coaching session, if you put it on an hourly basis, for example, is about an hour long, right? So if someone was paying me 650, it's a little over 300. And for me, that was such a big deal. And I at first felt a, my coach actually wanted me to, to charge a little bit higher, but I think it's also because I've invested so much in my business and in my personal growth that I didn't feel that guilt in investing. Like I was saying, look, I hired this coach for $10,000. Someone out there will be able to afford what I'm offering as long as I'm actually able to show them the value of that. I heard the saying, you got to be a buyer to sell. You cannot expect people to buy from you if you yourself are not a buyer. And what I mean by that is, are you investing in yourself? If you're promoting, let's say, a coaching service, do you even see the value of coaching enough that you're paying for a coaching service for yourself? And that was profound for me because I definitely was investing. I've invested Ever since it was 2014, when I quit my job, that's when I started doing online courses and learning about all these other things. And that was the biggest investment at that point when I hired that 10K coach, which it's very, when you put in that amount of money, you really need to commit. And so I was determined and I just, I didn't feel that guilt right there. But I find that a lot of, especially when I was just getting started, I would speak with clients who let's say if they haven't started a business yet and this is their first venture they would often say look i have this business idea and i know i want to do this because it's going to serve other people and it's going to make their life a lot easier they're doing it to help someone which is what a lot of entrepreneurs are here for we have dreams even artists right like we create art we have businesses for the desire to help other people and yet Often, because of the baggages that we have around money, we often think, if I'm truly here to help and serve other people, 
shouldn't I charge them a very small amount of price so that a lot more people can afford it and it will then help more people? Or shouldn't I just maybe just give it for free? And this is why a lot of businesses struggle to achieve financial freedom or to even just see that recurring revenue in their business. It's because they feel that it's somehow wrong or sinful to charge amount, you know, especially high dollars for your business, for the offerings that you're uh, giving to people. And so the way that I personally dealt with that is I often tell my clients from my personal experience, you cannot expect to sell if you're not a buyer yourself. If you do not see the value in what you're offering in the first place, if you wouldn't buy what you're offering, how do you expect someone to buy what you're offering? And also, some I heard this from someone, there's no transformation without transaction. And it's the same with everyone. Put it simply, you go to a salon, you make a transaction, and voila, you have a hair transformation, right? It's, if you think <laughs> about it that way, at the very smallest basis of it, it's reality. It's how the world works. And also, the way that I also propel this is, you came in this business because you have a purpose, right? You only start feeling that guilt if you forget the purpose of why you started this business in the first place. Because the truth is, as long as you live here in this world that's pretty much ran by capitalism, you need money to fund your message. And so you got to just accept the fact that the world revolves around money and you just got to make it work for you. Like you're here and you're not going to be maybe some of those big corporations that abuses the smaller guys, which is what most of us are so familiar with. And you're here to just accept that, look, the system is rigged, but I'm going to find a way to make it work for me, for the good of others. And there's, there is actually a strategy that I help people deal with that guilt which is what I personally do for myself, because especially when you're reaching the next level of your business, there is going to be some discomfort in increasing your prices. And this is something I often encounter because every year I do have to go to my clients and say, look, we're going to be increasing our prices and there's going to be fear. Oh my gosh, are they going to leave me? Or what are they going to think? But that's why you got to keep elevating your value too. Would you like me to share that small strategy? Yeah, absolutely. That'd be awesome. Yeah. So. A lot of the times when we think about growing our business, we think about a plan for increasing our revenue and our income. We go to a coach or a financial advisor and they say, okay, let's look at your numbers and let's look at how you can increase your revenue and how you can increase your income. So what's lacking there, and obviously, yes, as business owners, we do need to talk about that because we need to know the numbers. You got to make sure that you're not on the red. But sometimes what's lacking there is what is your plan for giving, right? So as you increase your income, you got to also pair that up with a plan for giving back to your community, to causes that you support. Because like I said, when we jumped into this whole journey of being an entrepreneur, wanting to make money off of our art, our creative, we were driven by the desire to serve other people. And yet sometimes we become so focused with how much we're earning that we forget the actual giving back. And so as much as you're making plans for increasing your income, always pair it with a plan for how you can also give back to the community. So for example, I, what I like to do is when I reach a certain milestone, let's say 
oh, if someone's getting started, once I hit uh, five-figure month months, this is what I'm going to do. This is the monthly giving that I'm going to, to be doing. So for example, maybe you want to support a certain charity or, or whatever, right? Some people, they prefer helping out actual families that they know or whatever it is. So you pair your financial milestone with something that is giving back to the community. And it doesn't have to be money per se, but often it becomes easier to actually support people with money. But yeah, you always just pair your financial milestones with your milestones too when it comes to generosity and giving back. And really, there's it's hard to feel guilt when you're giving back to the community. Yeah, that is a fantastic strategy. I really love that one. And yeah, I guess that feeling that you get from giving and serving your community. I think that is really what we often get into business in the first place as entrepreneurs. So yeah, holding on to that feeling you're driving through your business. I think that's a really awesome thing to take away and keep in mind. So I want to talk about the idea of you don't need to be rich to be financially free. Give me your take on this and the differences between the two ideas. Yeah, I shared with you my story about how I started, which was back in 2014, I was dead broke, very frustrated and sad in my first year of marriage. And I was just dedicated to make it work. And so my very first goal was to get out of debt coming from relatively minimum wage job in Toronto. My gosh, getting paid $13 in Toronto is not fun. I'm just going to put it that way. And of course, you can't run to your parents because you needed to prove yourself. That's extra pressure. But I'm definitely sure a lot of people can relate to that. But yeah, so that's where it came from. So imagine this image of being dead broke, all your credit cards are maxed out. You can't even enjoy date out with your husband because you feel so much guilt just swiping that credit card because there's no padding there. Like that's literally, there's nothing there. And we were getting paid $13 an hour. And when I started Googling how to get out of debt, I got into this rabbit hole of earning money online, blah, 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 but also the notion of financial freedom. Now, growing up, I didn't really think that was a thing. I thought you were just, there were just poor people, middle class and rich people, but even the rich people, I it didn't really like, maybe they had nicer houses, but the idea that we have now about financial freedom is so different, right? Like we, because of social media as well, we envision people who are traveling all the time, showing off their mansions and private jets and stuff like that. But at the very core of it, financial freedom is simply all about your freedom of being able to do what you like with your life and not having the stress around money. And so that's the core of it. Like we just want to make sure that I'm not worried about my survival, right? That you're living beyond survival where you're actually thriving, not just surviving. So at the very basic of financial freedom, that's what it means. And so from someone who was, like I said, dead broke, now I have this idea of what financial freedom is. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, how do I get there? You know, all of these people online are talking about it. How do I get there? And I, I'm very grateful that I found out about this during a time in social media where it wasn't common yet to show off your luxury homes. This was back in 2014. So I had a very different expectation compared to what people are expecting now, but certainly that is a high, like every financial freedom just has a different phase and different look to it as you keep elevating your life. But basically I thought from, from being dead broke to become financially free, I was thinking, okay, 
maybe I need to earn six figures. Do I need to go back to school? Oh my gosh, do I need to take masters? What do I need to do so that I can increase my income? And that's when I realized that, and this was through the help of my coach. Like I said, I've invested a lot in my own personal development. The very first coach that I, that I hired helped me get straight with my finance, with my finances, not completely all of it, but he was the start of planting certain seeds in my life where I was like, okay, I need to be more disciplined with how I manage my finances and think about these things differently. So I remember my coach said, why are you so dead set on earning six figures? And I said, I don't know, because I want to be financially free. I want to be able to travel the world when I need to. Heck, I don't even need to just travel the world. I can just, if I can just have a road trip and not have to worry about missing a job and not getting paid that I don't make my rent on time. You know what I mean? Like very basic stuff. And yet when we looked at the numbers at that time, it was just me and my husband. We didn't have our two kids yet. We were just renting. So we didn't really have a big mortgage or whatsoever. But around that time, we only needed $2,500 to actually be living beyond survival, right? To cover our survival needs, our rent, our phone bills, internet, groceries, just the basic stuff. We only needed $2,500. And so immediately, that gap between financial freedom and being broke shortened. Because here I was thinking, I'm dead broke. I want to be six figures. The gap between that and financial freedom being after six figures was huge and it felt overwhelming. But the moment he shifted my mind that you don't need to actually be rich first to be financially free, you just need to cover your basic your basic living expenses, the gap immediately shortened. Now, I can hear some people might be asking, I have a mortgage. I certainly cannot live with just $2,500. And look, this was in 2014. So everything's inflated now, especially during the pandemic. So yes, that's definitely true. But here's what where it's different. A lot of the times we think we need to be rich first, whatever idea that is of financial richness is for you. For me at that time, being dead broke, it meant becoming six figures, right? For me, that was already rich. And so for you to think about being rich first and then eventually you'll become financially free, it's actually reverse. You need to be working on being financially free first and then financial richness will naturally follow. So what do I mean by that? Financial freedom, like I said, at the very core of it is all about having your basic needs met. Making sure, look, if let's say you're, if you just know that everything you need to survive right now is covered financially. Whatever else you'll be earning is extra for you to make future investments or do whatever you want, travel, whatever. So at the very core of it, as long as your basic finances is covered, that's what financial freedom means. It doesn't matter what the number is. So how do you cover your basic finances or your basic living expenses by creating passive income? So everyone here, if you're not familiar, there's two uh, types of income, passive income and active income, right? So active income is where a lot of us fall into place. And actually, even now, even if we're earning passive income, I'm still doing active income. So meaning you have to be physically present to trade your time for money, whether that means $13 an hour, or maybe $1,000 an hour or more, it doesn't matter, right? That's active income. And then there's another way called passive income, 
where basically you do the work upfront, you don't get paid right away. The whole idea of earning is so different from active income that it's a future investment, right? You get increments of the payments in the future. So when I started my journey towards financial freedom, I, instead of me focusing, okay, how do I increase my skills and stuff like that so that I can be six figures, which is rich for me at that time, how I shifted my focus to, okay, how can I create a passive income of $2,500 so that I can be financially free? And my whole journey, I started earning passive income through Amazon Kindle. Now we're looking into crypto and trading, trading and stocks like that. But basically, you just want to make sure that you have passive income that covers your basic living expenses, because naturally the habits that you develop building that passive income shifts your mindset, shifts your attitude. And honestly, it's so easy to be financially rich after you've reached that point. And that's why I share the story where I'm here right now. And we have a couple of investments that we're taking care of because it was really realizing the financial freedom aspect in our life that allowed us to have more confidence in making investments and realizing it's just the relationship we have with money. It's just so different now, especially after that whole journey of creating that passive income for, for our livelihood. That's an awesome story. And like you said, it's all about the journey and the things that you learn and the way that your mindset shifts while you're doing all those things and changing the way that you look at money and just having just enough to cover your expenses. I think if we sat down and did an exercise of what that actually looked like, the gap probably is a lot smaller for a lot of us than we think it is in our head. So thank you so much for sharing that story. I'd like to talk about the difference between joyous money and toxic money. Yeah. So when we think about money, and especially if you have a lot of baggages around it, which was my story, I certainly saw money as almost evil or just like the bane of human existence. Like I remember thinking, oh, if we can all just live without money, it would be a lot easier. But it's not. Actually, it's a lot easier when you do have a lot of money. <laughs> it's just the, the truth of life. And so basically, I remember... I was growing up and I was doing groceries with my mom and whenever we would get to the till and she'd be paying the cashier, she'd look at the bill and be like, Ugh. <laughs> she'd make that sound like, Oh my gosh, it's so expensive. And here I was this kid. I was thinking, oh my gosh, maybe we should put some, something back. Maybe we can like, what are some stuff that we bought that we can return? <laughs> like I was thinking about that. And that same pattern actually happened when I got married. I would be looking at the bill whenever we were doing groceries and I'm like, oh my God, you know, trying to look at stuff to return. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's really weird. Not only am I seeing my mom in myself, but also I remember one time I was just so frustrated. Like I was just so frustrated with not having money and the idea of logging into my online bank was so scary. Oh, I don't even, I don't even want to log in. Like I, I'm pretty sure a lot of people can relate, but oh my gosh, I hated seeing my bank logo. I, and having to log in to check it was just so scary. Like it, it always brought so much discomfort and this feeling of fear. And I remember just sitting down there and observing my feelings. And I said, that's weird. I did even hold this physical money. So Obviously, nowadays, we barely hold physical money. Everything's electronic. And so I was thinking, that's weird. 
I earned money, but it went straight to my bank. So I didn't even get a chance to physically hold it. And yet this thing that I can't even hold has so much grip on me, like it's choking me. Why is that? So I really thought about it. Why is this thing that I can't even physically hold have such a chokehold on me? And that's when I realized that money is literally just energy. And when you think about it that way, energy is energy emotions is bas basically very contagious, right? For example, if you're having a really bad day and you show like, for example, here in my household, if I'm having a bad day, it's so easy for my spouse, for example, to catch on that energy and he'll be feeling agitated too. And then everyone's having a bad day. So I thought about that way, this thing, money is giving off this type of energy and it's rubbing off on me. And then here I am paying my bills begrudgingly thinking, oh, there you go, paying my groceries. I'm like, oh my gosh, phone bill. Oh my gosh, it's, it exceeded the monthly bill. Ugh, you know what I mean? So every time I keep passing off this negative energy, this toxic energy around money. And so I thought about, okay, I remember how it feels when, you know, I was a kid and my grandparents would be giving me money for holidays. It felt so amazing. And so how come in that notion, money makes me feel happy and makes me feel good. So I thought about different ways and I realized we can consciously make a decision on how, on how we want to receive that money and how we want to pass it off. So obviously there's so many stories on the internet, in the news, because it sells that there are a lot of wealthy people who live miserable personal lives, right? And so it's very common for a lot of us to fear financial richness, for example, or just money by itself, because there are so many horror stories all over the news, all over TV, all over the internet. And that's why it's so natural for us to fear money, to find that it's a toxic thing in our lives. And yet, like I said, we know we want money and sometimes it's uncomfortable to accept the fact that we want money. If you tell your friends, I want to be rich, they're going to look at you like, huh? You know what I mean? Yeah. There will be some of them like, huh? Yeah, you're right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there's that energy there already. And yet we really need to change that. And especially I deal with a lot of uh, entrepreneurs, like I said, how can you receive more money in your business? in such a way that it brings you joy and where the giver of that money also brings you also gives that money away joyfully so for example does your clients feel like they're getting their money's worth when they're paying you or what about you like when you're charging your clients do you feel like you're ripping them off or do you feel like this is good this is actually a great bang for their buck right where are you falling there and whenever you're paying your bill, so this was a practice I started, especially when I was just getting out of my brokenness mindset and my debt. Every time I would swipe my card to pay a bill or give cash, I would verbally say it out loud. I, I think that's very, that's a lot more powerful. You can say it in your mind if you're a little bit shy, but I would verbally say it out loud. Whenever I would give my card or pay, the, pay, pay something, I would say, thank you, right? Thank you. Because in my mind, thank you. I actually have the money to pay for this. So instead of thinking, ugh, now that's money lost, right? You're thinking, thank you. I actually have money to pay for this. Thank you because I know this is blessing someone, 
right? So whenever I'm paying for something, let's say you're in the grocery, you know, thank you because I'm blessing this grocery store, this small business, for example, this local shop, whatever it is, you're blessing someone and it's your money is blessing other people, which is the whole reason why you want to be an entrepreneur anyway, and why you want to be successful, because you want to be a blessing to other people. And I actually have these go to mantras that I tell myself, every profit has a purpose. And I am blessed to bless others. So just like how other people became a blessing to me because they had they were financially well off, I certainly experienced this growing up. I remember my aunt, she was the wealthier sibling <laughs> of my family. Whenever we were having a tough time, she would actually help my mom pay our tuition fee and stuff like that. So she was a blessing for our family in those times. And so now as we aspire to earn more income, be more financially free and financially rich, we become now the blessing that's blessing other people. And we just shift that mindset. Another thing that I like to do is how sometimes you would see like scents fall like on the streets when you're walking. A lot of people actually feel almost embarrassed to pick it up. But what I do is I, it doesn't matter if it's one cent or however much it is, even if the bank doesn't accept it anymore, maybe someone just threw it there. I would literally pick it up and say, thank you, because I'm taking that I'm making a mental note that abundance is everywhere. So just those simple shift, realizing that how you give money is how it will be returned back to you and everything's just energy. Really awesome points there. And just shifting the mindset abundance everywhere i really love that one as well so we've covered some really awesome points today just to wrap things up what is your advice for someone who might be in that position where you're stuck in a job that you didn't really like you wanted to make a financial change but you weren't really sure where to start definitely invest in yourself so that can mean many different things i remember when i was just getting started paying for a 39 dollar course was really scary. It was like bread or this course for me. <laughs> like that's really how it felt. But honestly, I remember when I found out about earning passive income and learning about financial freedom and all that, I purchased this course, even though I was really scared that it might be a scam back in 2014, which was $39. And that investment earned me my first passive income on Kindle. And when you invest in yourself like that, sometimes you just need little wins. Like literally my first passive income was $5. And that's not, that's almost nothing. It's not going to buy you much. But I remember seeing that win and realizing, oh my gosh, this stuff is real. And I just got to keep at it. But yes, invest in yourself because the real asset here is yourself, right? It's not your job. It's not your online business. Your, your business is only going to grow as much as you do. And so investing yourself will look different. Maybe right now, if you're really tight on money, listening to podcasts like this would be a great start, but eventually invest in programs, work with a mentor. Honestly, for me, like I said, it was very easy for me to charge people when it was my turn to start charging because I've invested so much already. And you got to realize that's already a start for you to practice your financial mindset. So instead of thinking, how I can't afford this, ask yourself, how can I afford this? And you start having to see the exchange between money so differently and just having that gratitude as well around where you are. I used to be frustrated, for example, when I wanted to hire this coach and he was like a thousand dollars an hour. And I was like, oh my gosh, like that was when I quit my job in 2014. And I was thinking, 
I cannot afford that. And I'm feeling frustrated because I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this is why the rich keeps getting richer. It's like, because it's only people who can afford, who can transform. But no, just honor where you are right now and find many different ways to invest in yourself. Even if it means listening to a podcast, maybe watching stuff on YouTube, maybe it's time to start reflecting on the people that you hang out with, just stuff like that. Just be creative with how you invest yourself in yourself and eventually your money will be investing back to you. Awesome. Awesome tips there. And finally, Paige, where can people go to find out more about you and you have the interest in connecting? Where can they go? Yeah, you can easily find me on Instagram, which is Paige Ray, P-A-J-E-R-E-Y. You can also check out my YouTube. I do talk a little bit more about money mindset on my YouTube channel and other stuff too with regards to personal growth. And I will also share a link here if you do want to learn more about my personal process, about how I got into financial freedom, what I did. I call this method called the Healthy Holy Money Flow Blueprint. And this online course, I'm giving it away for 30% off to our listeners here. Uh, We'll just have all the details in the show notes. But basically, those are some ways that you can work with me. And you know what? Like I said, if you just have a simple question, feel free to DM me. I'm very open to that as well. That is wonderful. And yes, definitely head down to the show notes at the end of the episode where you can find all those links. So it's all really exciting. So thank you so much, Paige, for coming on the show today. It's been such a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you so much, Rachel. Talk to you soon. I would love to know what your biggest takeaway was from this episode. You can connect with me over on Instagram at the Mindset Mastery Podcast and join in the conversations we have over there. Head down to the links in the show notes to receive 30% off Paige's Healthy Holy Money Flow Blueprint and follow her on her socials for more awesome content. I can't wait to do this all again with you next week. Until then, remember, we are only limited by what we believe we are limited.